Welcome back to the show. You're listening to The Mike Smith Show. I'm Raji Sohal, in for Mike. And it's time for us to say hello to Keith Baldry, the Global BC's BC Legislative Bureau Chief. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. All right, let's talk about the Surrey mayoral election first, shall we? Mm. Yeah, so United Surrey candidate Suk Daliwal has said uh, there's been a lot of fantasy projects, as he's called it, rooted in desperate attempts to get elected. Lots of promises, including a safe Surrey coalition promising a tax freeze that Mayor McCallum says wouldn't affect services? Well, it's, um, I think the Surrey mayoral race is fascinating on so many levels and almost unprecedented to see five candidates, all of whom seem to be, you know, fairly equal standing uh, with experience uh, duking it out here. And it seems to be Everyone against McCallum, which works to McCallum's advantage. If he's sort of, it's me against the world, that's going to attract a fair number of voters. Uh, talk to Ginny Sims, one of the mayoral candidates. She was over here this week, and sort of taking a leave as NDP MLA, but she came over to get the picture in the legislature. Uh, and she acknowledges it's a tight race with her, Brenda Locke in particular. Um, but again, what I still find, we talked about this on the show yesterday, these 52 developments that were okayed yeah. uh, in one day, just uh, you know, before an election campaign, uh, is really got some question marks attached to this going forward. It's not going to be resolved necessarily with an election outcome. Uh, when you um, okay 52 developments, many of them associated with a rapid transit line that is yet to be built, uh, there is fraught with peril when it comes to whether all the T's were crossed and all the I's were dotted. I think uh, some of the issues that emerged in this Surrey mayoral campaign are going to be haunting Surrey for quite some time, even after the election. Yeah, some very big ticket projects that just seem to be uh, thrown up into the air and offered very easily. We had Hamish Telford on the program earlier today talking mm-hmm. about this. And the question that he seemed to focus on, too, was whether Mayor Doug McCallum gets voted back in again or not. And with all the promises that he's making, do you think that voters are enticed or are they skeptical in backing out of supporting him? Well, I, I don't think anybody really knows the answer to that question. It was a very low voter turnout in the last mayor, uh, last municipal election in Syria. I suspect the turnout will be higher this time, uh, which will, may hurt McCallum. He, he benefited from a low turnout last time because he does have a loyal base. But because the other candidates are going to f- splinter the vote, that will give him an advantage. But a higher turnout, I think, is likely given the amount of attention paid to this race, unlike before. I mean, he's got a lot of ink and, and airtime. Uh, in this contest because there's so much at play here. And it's going to be interesting to match some of the develop or the, the 52 developments that were um, approved down the road, how many of those people contributed, the developers and the companies involved, contributed to the mayoral campaigns of any of these candidates or anyone who voted for those, uh, those uh, approvals. And that includes councillors as well. So this could be the start of what could be a very messy situation at Surrey City Hall, no matter who wins this election. Yeah, it sure seems like it. Okay, Keith, let's talk for a sec about repeat offenders. It's uh, been on everybody's minds lately. Premier John Horgan, he's majorly on the defensive now about crime. He denounced the liberal whole catch and release attacks as a slogan. And meanwhile, Ken Sim is throwing punches now, too, at Kennedy Stewart for not doing enough about crime. I'm going to play a clip here from Ken Sim. I think it's pretty uh, disappointing and disingenuous of the mayor uh, to come out swinging after three years and 10 months being mayor, uh, to come out swinging on crime and safety in our city. 
Um, instead of taking responsibility for these issues, he decided to throw the province and the federal government under the bus. And a lot of these issues, um, you know, as mayor, he should be dealing with. So there you go, Kenson blaming Kennedy Stewart for not having done enough. How do you think that that message sits with folks? Well, you know, crime and safety has emerged as an issue uh, for the first time in years. Yeah, it really has. The ongoing pattern of violent assaults, particularly in Vancouver. Yeah. I think Kennedy Stewart's vulnerable on this, just as uh, the NDP government is vulnerable. No, no surprise that their opponents, whether it's Ken Sim or the BC Liberals, are seizing on this issue and accusing the other side, the governing side, of doing nothing to, to stop this. It's been quite the, the topic here at the legislature in Victoria this week. Uh, I think Attorney General Murray Rankin's been on the offensive. An interesting thing happened yesterday in question period where uh, Public Safety Minister and Solicitor General Mike Farnworth suddenly seized the reins uh, on the government side and stood up and attacked the Liberals. Rather than just defending the government's record, attacking the, their, their political enemies, their opponents, the Liberals, for their uh, record when it came to crime, particularly money laundering and cutting back services uh, on the prosecution side. So that was a sign, I think, that the NDP thought it was getting beat up a bit uh, by the Liberals for the first couple of di- couple days and that they wanted to fight back. But clearly this has emerged as an issue, certainly at the provincial level. And you have to think it's going to be on voters' minds, particularly in Vancouver uh, and some of the suburbs where these assaults have taken place when they go to cast their ballots on October 15th. So no surprise that Ken Sim and I suspect some others in Vancouver will seize on this issue as a uh, sort of a stick to beat over the head of uh, Kennedy Sturt, since he's the government. He's the incumbent. He's the one who takes responsibility. And it's no surprise that political opponents right now are using this, this issue as a wedge issue. Yeah, Keith, and do you get the sense that people are going to be headed to the polls for a mayoral election for the first time in their own lives because they are so unhappy with how Vancouver looks right now with regards to these random stranger attacks? Oh, I, th- I think there's going to be a, vo- a higher voter turnout, hmm. I think, in many places in this uh, in this municipal election round. I think there's a crankiness amongst voters right now. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's yes. a combination of inflation, cost of living is going up. It's frustrating for people. Uh, it's natural to look at governments for easy solutions, even though there's no easy solution on street crime or on inflation and cost of living. But people can be simplistic in their approach and demand action and they just want may not know what it is but they just want something to be done and that can be a, um, a worrisome trend for incumbent governments and sitting politicians because they're the ones who are expected to create the solutions here and solve the problems and if they're not doing it uh, even though as unrealistic the expectations may be they can pay a price uh, at the ballot box yeah, for sure. And then Kevin Falcon has been obviously very vocal uh, on this program about this issue and elsewhere about how uh, catch and release does not work. I'm going to play you a clip from him. When will this attorney general and this NDP stop ignoring victims of crime and acknowledge that the former attorney general's catch and release program is not working for communities in every part of the province? Keith, do you get the sense that uh, slogans are getting a disproportionate amount of attention with regards to this story? 
Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, this is not a catch and release program, but it's easy to label this yeah. as that because, you know, it's the fishing slogan when it comes to salmon. Well, let's apply it to, to chronic offenders. Yeah. But it's a it powerful works, one, isn't it? It is. It works for, for the opposition. It drives the NDP government crazy. They're denouncing the use of uh, bumper stickers, as they call it. But bumper stickers can work in politics, and the Liberals are taking advantage of this. There's, there's another interesting thing developing here. The Liberals are demanding that the Attorney General issue a spe- specific directive to Crown Counsel regarding uh, bail situations, which means um, asking a politician to step in and give guidance to what is traditionally an independent Crown Counsel pro- um, uh, uh, pr- protocol. And so far, the NDP's resisted that saying one hasn't been issued for years, including under the B.C. Liberals. But it's interesting how the Liberals have hit upon that point, that there is power under the Crown Counsel Act for the Attorney General to give guidance and direction to the Crown Counsel Service. And in this case, the, from the Liberals' point of view, uh, telling the Crown Counsels out there to get tougher when it comes to bail conditions and, and, and release of chronic offenders for, and rather than facing incarceration. So this is a new avenue of, of debate that we haven't seen for some time. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, and it seems to be driving, as you said, a lot of people to the polls this time. So we'll have to see about that. And Keith, we're, we're going to keep you on the line with us sure. as we uh, get some, to some calls. But I do want to quickly dip in to hockey, our Mm -hmm. wonderful national sport, so much of our country's identity that is just mired in scandal right now. I'm going to play you a clip from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who said yesterday that Hockey Canada is failing to understand how serious, how deep-rooted their issues are. The total loss of faith in that organization by everyone uh, means that there is it's nonsensical that they be digging in their heels on this one uh, there needs to be wholesale change they need to do it they need to realize that uh, if if we have to create an organization get rid of hockey canada and create an organization called canada hockey instead um, people will look at doing that Hey there, you're listening to The Mike Smith Show, and I'm Raji Sohal filling in for Mike today, and we've got Keith Baldry with us as well, taking your calls. We're going to start out with Daryl in Coquitlam. Hello, Daryl. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Keith, I wanted to, I'd just like to ask you, have you had any sense of feedback from David Eby's recent announced housing uh, platform that would strip uh, pre-2010 condominiums from restricting rentals within their properties, and also from uh, uh, overriding uh, uh, municipalities' ability to to control zoning for uh, a building. I'll hang up and get your response, Keith. Okay, question there about BC Builds. Great question. So soon after EB made this announcement, the Union of BC Municipalities started to express support on Twitter, which makes me think that they had prior knowledge of what this was all about. But subsequent to that, it hasn't been really loud yet, but I've certainly talk to some municipal folks who are a little curious but also nervous about a government's over, uh, reach over their heads into zoning issues. Now, David Eby says it's all going to be done with cooperation and this type of thing, but I do think this is an issue that's going to be a, potentially a showdown between 
Victoria and some municipalities who are less, uh, more, more reluctant to get into significant changes when it comes to zoning and when it comes to uh, rules, when it comes to condos and, and such. So this is a fascinating uh, foray by David Eby. And, you know, it may, uh, the outcome here, of course, is desirable, which is to have more housing and lower rents. But if it comes at the expense of municipal powers, I think there's going to be a fight between some municipalities and the provincial government uh, should this go through. So this is just getting started. Uh, the response has been a little quiet right now because we're in municipal elections. And I think once we get past the municipal election uh, date, I think you're going to see more conversations about this and more debate. Yeah, and uh, some mayors have said that if they had to, they would they would push legally back on some of this stuff. Exactly, because uh, nothing gets uh, councillors' backs up more than being told that uh, their, their powers when it comes to zoning, which is sort of like sacrosanct to them, are suddenly going to be curbed. Yeah, but don't you get the sense, Keith, that even though it is overreaching, uh, potentially that's the only way that we are going to get uh, yep. affordable housing. Well, that's David Eby's view, that uh, waiting for municipalities to move on this. It's not all municipalities, but, you know, we've done stories about in Vancouver, it's taken five years to push a development through uh, to get uh, to check off all the boxes and, and rules. It, it can be quite a laborious and, and time-consuming process, and Eby's trying to speed it up. But it could be an inevitable clash with some some councillors who may not like the fact that Victoria's uh, reaching over their heads. Yeah, for sure. All right, we're going to Port Moody. Good morning, Paul. Uh, hi, Keith. Uh, I, I just find it quite comical that, uh, of all people, Justin Trudeau is telling Hockey Canada not to dig in. After all the scandals he's had, they're taking the playbook from, from, from Trudeau. Dig in and hopefully the tides turn. And, it, and I just find it really uh, rich that he's making these type of comments from a guy that, 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 that should have resigned a long time ago. Well, there's no question Trudeau's had his share of scandal, more than his share of scandal. Um, and for him to become embroiled in, or you know, to express a view on the Hockey Canada scandal will strike some people as, at the very least, deeply ironic. Uh, having said that, I do think that it's speaking for where the public's at on this. I mean, the Quebec government has now abandoned Hockey Canada. Tim Hortons yeah. has abandoned uh, Hockey Canada. Other organizations as well. We talked to Lisa Baer, the tourism minister, minister responsible for sport here yesterday. And she pointed out, you know, BC Hockey is its own entity. The provincial government has no power over it. But she said if they want to break their ties with Hockey Canada, uh, they will have her full support on this. So I think look for other governments and other politicians to speak out about this. And But the caller's right. Trudeau talking about scandals is going to strike some people <laughs> as, a, a, as a, bit he says, a bit rich. Yeah, yeah, but for sure. But I am also hearing from hockey parents who are saying, thank goodness politicians are standing up. We need to hear this from the top brass. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot. There's, hockey Canada, I mean, that that's... Um, that hearing, parliamentary hearing, with their CEO, Andrea Skinner, was just unbelievable. I mean, it just talk about tone deaf and trying to play the victim card, that they're the victim here, uh, is going to strike people as ludicrous. Even MPs from all parties exactly. on the committee were just aghast at her performance. So uh, Hockey Canada is in a hole. And number one rule when you're in a hole, stop digging. But that's what they're doing. <laughs> no kidding. Stop digging. All right, we're going to Surrey with Mike. Hi, Mike. What's your comment or question? Good morning, Raji. Good morning, Keith. Uh, I've got two two predictions. I just want to get Keith's opinion on. You know, I looked at my list of uh, candidates in Surrey. Fifty-six candidates running for eight seats. You know, that is just uh, bizarre. Uh, probably about six of the mayoral candidates I actually know the names of. 
I think Doug McCallum is going to uh, slide in there because of that split uh, vote. I think Suk and Ginny did themselves a disservice both running at the same time. And, and the other one I would like to mention is that I think Ken Sims is the next mayor of Vancouver because he took a page out of Doug McCallum's playbook, which was pick a topic that he knows that he can win, and that's the crime situation. He's been so strong on the crime front, and then he offered the 100 police officers, gets the backing of the uh, police union. Uh, he's a cakewalk. He's he's in. And those are my two predictions. But I was curious what Keith thought of that and, and, what, uh, and about the logic behind it. What do you think, Keith? Perfectly valid analysis. Ken Sim came within a hair of winning last time. And I I think late in the day, the street crime issue has emerged as one where Kennedy Stewart is vulnerable. Sim talking about hiring 100 more police officers resonates. And now the Vancouver Police Union, for the first time ever, has endorsed a candidate, in this case, Ken Sim. So I think momentum seems to be on his side. And in Surrey, Mike's totally right. When you've got five candidates... I mean, someone can conceivably win with 23% of the vote. Everybody's very equal. And Doug McCallum has his supporters. So don't count him out. He's in front of the courts right now. So interesting. Keith, thanks so much for being with us again. Talk tomorrow.